Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Speak today to Clive Lyon, who's the CFO of Serapi Gold, listed here in London. And they are a gold producer with assets in Brazil. Yeah, of course, the results came out today. Not too bad, all things considered. Uh, managing the effects of COVID uh, and the lack of ability to get all of the staff that they want on site. Um, we talked to him about some of the things that they're going to have to do in terms of managing the balance sheet. Obviously, getting rid of spot debt is good. Uh, getting a convertible facility from their large equity partner, Greenstone, is good. And the staged installment payments to Equinox for the Karinga asset. So he goes through the plans for Q3 and Q4 and when some sort of sense of normality uh, will be reinstated. Um, enjoy the podcast. Clive, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. I'm very well, Matthew. So where are you speaking from? A little bit warm. A little bit warm. Oh, yeah. 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 You're in the UK like me. It's absolutely Yes, no, I'm down ridiculous. in Surrey. So uh, enjoying, the, uh, enjoying the heat wave down here. I'm glad you are. I'm glad you are. I'm the, I'm the wrong, my face is the wrong shade of red. Um, it's getting hotter by the moment. Um, but anyway, less of that. So look, um, thanks very much for taking our call this morning. We, we saw the press release. Um, wanted to, you know, take the chance to talk to you about some of those numbers. I mean, generally, what are your, what are your thoughts? Um, I have to say, Matthew, looking, looking in the context of these numbers and where we were at the beginning of the quarter, uh, I think we have to be very, very happy. Uh, we went into the second quarter, a huge amount of uncertainty, not even sure whether or not we were going to be able to keep the operations going for the next three months. Um, so, you know, to come out of it with what has been a quarter where we've had best cash flow generation that we've experienced, best levels of profitability that we've experienced, um, has got to be a, a huge positive and we've got to be very, ha- very happy and very grateful for what we've managed to achieve. Um, I think there will be disappointments. You know, the production is lower than we wanted, but that, that's a, a direct impact of um, the pandemic and having to reduce staff numbers on site. We've already talked through that and, and what we're doing and what we're trying to address with that. Um, but I think overall, uh, it's a very good, very, it's been a very satisfying quarter. Well, take us, to, take us through a few of those numbers, because I, I do want to talk about the impact of, of COVID and what additional costs you've had to, um, or measures you've had to put in place, which you know, do have a cost implication to them. Because so I, specifically, I want to get, get on to the ASIC number, because that is a lot higher than I think you'd hoped. Um, but maybe, why don't we kick off, first of all, to sort of run through some of the numbers which you've managed to hit? Well, I think we, we've got a, we've got, Cash flow has come through. We managed to, we started the quarter at uh, just over $9 million. We ended the quarter at $9.6 million in the bank. During that period of time, we paid off uh, using our cash flow $3.5 million um, of sprot loan that was outstanding. So we've got rid of that. And that's why I look at it and say that's a fantastic quarter for us. Uh, we managed to get rid of $3.5 million worth of debt without any uh, any real any impact on our cash balances um, and and at the same time as we say saw, saw excellent profitability coming through uh, the best profit of the quarter for profitability that we've had um, ever since we started um, so EBITDAs are up substantially um, 
profit, operating profit up substantially, earnings per share up substantially. Um, there's not a lot not to be liked about it. Okay, well, let's let's talk about before we move on to the async component because, like I say, there's something I want to understand more. Let's talk about those three moving parts. So, Sprott, remo- removing them from the equation, you've still got Equinox that you need to uh, remove from the equation, and then you've, um, well, Greenstone has come in for a larger slice of the pie. So, first of all, why did you want to get rid of Sprott? Why not refinance with Sprott? We went through a number of issues and ultimately lenders such as Sprott are, are not the, the cheapest. Um, and uh, we've, had, you know, we've had a very good relationship with them. Um, but I think they'd, and we want to go, we will go back to them when we come back to looking for financing of Coringa. I'm sure you've got some questions later on that you'll ask me about that particular subject as well. Um, but the essence here was that we needed to we have to go back even further we go back into sort of the third fourth quarter of 2019 um at that particular point we had a the debt with equinox that needed to be settled uh we were looking around at sources of finance um it was a difficult equity market and ultimately the decision to go with Greenstone and to put in place the convertible loan was to give us a little bit more flexibility in terms of how much money we'd need going forward, um, but to make sure that we had funds available to be able to meet that particular debt with Equinox, which at the time was going to fall due on the 31st of December. Now we pushed that back and pushed that back to the 31st of March uh, and then subsequently, we've been able to renegotiate that very well into a series of stage payments um, because of the pandemic. And that's given us a great deal more flexibility, which actually is, should be beneficial ultimately to, to shareholders. So I think the decision to want to get rid of uh, or pay down the Sprott debt rather than refinance that is because we couldn't see Sprott, given where our cash flows were going to be, wanting to extend a debt facility to us that was large enough to take care of that blue potential bloom payment to uh, to Equinox. Greenstone were able to step into their uh, friendly shareholder that's providing financial support into the company um, with a little bit more flexibility than we were likely to get. I always think it's quite an interesting um, discussion. When you owe people money, you can either be in a position of weakness or a position of strength, but the in a way the market worked in your favour with your negotiations with Equinox. I think it seems um, to me. It, well, it did, and circumstances circumstances helped. Um, you know, we were clearly coming up to uh, a point at the end of uh, at the end of March where we needed to do something. We thought that we'd have the facility in place. Of course, then coronavirus hit us. Um, but I think circumstances then have, um, you know, that did work in our favour in some ways um, because Equinox looked at the situation, were sympathetic to where we were as a small junior producer um, and gave us the leeway to be able to look at a stage payment basis that wasn't you know, rather than putting the company into a difficult situation. Um, so we were very grateful for that and we've been very grateful for Greenstone to continue to support it as well because we couldn't again 
fulfil all of the needs and requirements. And ultimately, although they're a shareholder, they you know they're a business. They've got uh, they've got their own um, thresholds to meet with their investor groups as well. Um, and uh, but you know, and I'm sure that. Uh, the convertible doesn't necessarily meet all of those thresholds, but that's the sort of gesture of their support and, and you know, long-standing support for the company. I think, like I say, timing and luck come into this a lot, and uh, Equinox also have been going on quite a rally. I think it's also helped you that they've done exceptionally well at building out their business. Um, but just to on um, Greenstone, though, because obviously they're very well-known um, you know, investment group um, with you know very specific mining uh, skills uh, and sort of the they're, they're very clear about the sorts of companies that they will invest in. I mean, that's that's a real endorsement, I think, to the market that you've got something going on there. But they've also come in for a pretty big stake now. So, what are their demands of you as an organisation in terms of performance? Well, clearly, we have to perform on a day by month by month basis. Um, I they are um, they're represented on the board, um, as is Fratelli, who are another large shareholder with the company. Um, so we work both closely with both groups in sort of trying to understand what their long-term um, motivations are. But they are both long-term investors um, looking for a sort of a window three to four years out. They're not looking for an instant return tomorrow. So they will um, weather the storms with us. Um, and uh, take a view on you know, near-term and longer-term macro issues that are going to affect the company. Okay, so let's look, let's look at ASIC. I mentioned it earlier. I mean, it's, it is. It, it's up. It's not where you want it to be. Why is it so high? I think you've got to look at it in context, Matthew. Um, at the beginning of each quarter, our production plans and our manpower requirements, etc., are set out and we're not going to be able to change those now. Although we weren't sure where we were going to be in terms of production at the beginning of the quarter, we set out with a mine plan and we've continued to try and follow that. Consequence of that has been that we've had slightly lower production. We've had reduced manpower at, start, at, at site. And I know Mike talked to you about uh, the reasons for lower gold production in the year, but uh, lower gold production in the quarter when he did an interview with you uh, a few weeks ago looking at our operational results. Um, so our production has been down some 15% over what we would like it to be. Our cost base, however, whether or not we're trying to do 45,000 tons at eight grams or 45,000 tons at six grams is pretty much fixed. And there's not a great deal we can do about it. So the production being down over the quarter, it has directly influenced our ASIC. And as a result of that, the ASIC is higher. Um, looking forward, looking at Q3, I think we're probably going to see a similar sort of situation that we're not anticipating that production will start to get up. We're working in Q3 to get the manpower levels up so that we can get the, uh, the mine back up to the production rates that we would anticipate. And then hopefully in Q4, once production starts getting up above 10,000 ounces again per quarter, we'll see the ASIC starts to come back down again. Yeah, I mean, Mike did mention that. He said that he, he, there's a plan and you can't be bouncing around uh, the property, just aiming for the, the high-grade stuff. You're kind of systematically working through it. So I, I know people should refer to that interview of a couple of weeks ago on that one. 
Let me talk to you about Coringa, please. I, I want to try and understand how you guys, I'm, I'm delighted we've got a CFO on, you know, talking about number, proper numbers um, rather than generalities. So how do you go about planning and managing cash flows and having the funds in place to be able to move Coringa forward at the speed that the management, with the rest of the management team or the operational team is is hoping to. I mean, the balance sheet seems to have been tidied up a lot with the you know discussions with you know Sprott, Greenstone, and, and, and Equinox. So you, you do appear, and you're generating cash flow certainly at these prices. But there's a plan for Coringa. This year you've got, you've got COVID to deal with, but you've also got to get this thing moving forward at at some kind of pace. Have you got the cash to be able to do it? Is there going to be more balance sheet management activity to be able to get that through to the point where it can get into production? I think the first pri- first priority for me is to let's get Coringa fully secured. Let's get Equinox debt paid down. Um, and with that in place, then we will be able to go out to lending groups or we're already in conversations with various lending groups. We're sharing with them our models for that, and they're looking at that with a view to what sort of levels of debt they're prepared to provide, what sort of terms they'd be considering, um, and, and all the other parts that you would normally expect. Um, but the first priority is to get one equi- the, the Equinox paid off, um, because until that's uh, that's dealt with, a lender's not going to part with any money. And of course, as we've spoken about in the past, or you've spoken with Mike about in the past, getting the licensing process up to a particular stage where the lenders will feel comfortable that everything is is satisfied. Um, I think with COVID, um, you know, we've had our challenges at Polito, and there are, you know, I think we have to make sure that we've got the Polito South Chico operations back up and running full steam um, before we want to start taking on another uh, another operational issue with Coringa. Um, so we've got to work that one into the equation at the moment. So cash flow for the time being is going to be used primarily to get rid of the Equinox payments and pay those down. Um, we're going to try and do that as much as we can out of cash flow. As we originally put Greenstone in place to give ourselves um, the ability to get rid of that in a balloon in a single payment um, given how the situation has evolved we almost now you want to use that as a standby facility to draw down if and when we need to and we will also have that funding available to use to start building Coringa or developing Coringa and do some of the things once the licensing reaches its next stage. Once we get our LP approved, I know Mike's talked about wanting to get in, do some underground development, get some bulk samples sorted, try and de-risk the geological um, aspects of the project for lenders. Uh, and they're all key key parts of it, which will reduce our cost of borrowing going forward as well. So we, you know, I want to be able to blend that going forward and use a little bit of the Greenstone funding to be able to do that, provide sort of the equity capital, as it were, to get through those studies. Um, and then we'll go out to the lending groups to raise the, the debt capital that we need to be able to build the project and take it forward. It's, it's kind of interesting times at the moment because obviously you know, this week's been interesting with regards to gold price move, moving 
negatively um, but the general trend has been f phenomenal for the past couple of months um, isn't this the time to be doing having discussions with lending groups because all sorts of companies which I never thought would get funded are having money thrown at them vast sums of money have you considered at all going and talking to some of these groups and, and taking Equinox out quicker I know you've got this facility in place but is that a, is that a discussion that you're having um, we are having we are having discussions with different groups to see what we can do. I, I guess the whilst we've got a particular um, issue there with with getting rid of Equinox and wanting to move things forward, there is a there is a timetable within which we can move Karinga, and it's not tomorrow. Um, so the immediate urgency is not there. That's not to say that if we can't find a new group to come in, it's not the end of the world. We'll continue to pay down Equinox according to the stage plan. If we can find a solution that is not going to be detrimental to uh, existing equity holders, we don't need to raise equity at this point to get rid of um, to get rid of equity to pay down the Equinox debt. Um, then it doesn't seem appropriate to put dilution in place just for the sake of it. Okay, understood. Fair, fair enough. Um, expiration is something that Mike's talked about. He's very keen to work out what you've got on your properties. Um, obviously, I think there's been um, some some expiration happening, but it's, had to, it's been restricted in the sense that you can't get the crews in there. You don't have the people to be able to do it at the moment. How much budget have you set aside for expiration for the rest of, of this year? It's a little bit, it, it will be limited and we'll only really pick it up in Q4. And realistically, in Q4, there'll be a limit to how much we can spend anyway. So it, it's it's less about what budget can I set aside as to actually how fast can they spend it? Um, because there is a, a practical consideration there that uh, you can set aside a, uh, you know, a substantial budget but actually if it's not spent wisely you'll end up wasting 50% of that budget anyway so it's always a case of making sure that we maximize the return that we're getting on what we're doing so we don't want to bring in crews and have them drilling blind and have them you know, just doing work for the sake of doing work um, we know that this takes time these these sort of narrow vein deposits you really need to understand them and we need to work out what we're doing each step of the way. Um, so it's almost the pace at which we can do exploration will set its own budget. So I think fourth quarter, we'd be looking at spending you know, $250,000, $300,000 on exploration and then looking to step that up into Q, Q1 uh, 2021. Okay. With regards to, um, again, getting people back on site, getting back uh, on, on location and actually working. Mike mentioned that you were building out new um, dwellings, new uh, facilities for people to be able to work safely and live safely on in the camp. Um, how's that going? And what's that going to cost you? Because that's that's an additional uh, cost you, weren't, you probably haven't factored in, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, we've had a lot of additional costs during Q during this last quarter. We've had extra doctors on on site to conduct testing. We've had sort of we've used third party clinics to be able to test staff before they're coming into site. Um, as you said, we took a lot of the exploration staff away because we couldn't control those third party contractors and how they were managing their own personnel. 
Um, and that was the reason, that, a lot of the reason that we stopped the exploration activity. In terms of um, the accommodation, you know, most of this is uh, containerized um, accommodation blocks. Um, we'll spend probably in the region of a few hundred thousand dollars on the upgrades that we need to do onto the, in, into the camp. And we hopefully they will get those through by the end of Q3. And we'll then be in a position to accommodate a full complement of staff and start bringing those people back on, on site. I don't think it, it's not going to happen instantaneously. Again, there'll be a program to make sure that the rosters are working well um, and that these guys are coming in on, on a scheduled basis. So we won't be back up to the full complement on the 1st of October. They'll come through and we'll probably get up, get there towards the beginning part of November. When you say a few hundred thousand, do you mean at the 200,000 end or the 900,000 end? I think we're, we're, we're looking in the sort of 250 to $300,000 end, okay. rather than the up towards the half million to a million dollar. Yeah, Yeah, just wanted to be clear. So, so Q4, we, you're starting to bring people back in and they'll, they will start to ramp up and you'll get back to sort of, well, I don't know what normal means anymore, but normal levels of operational productivity. Yeah, I think, I mean, we, we'd, like to, we'd like to think that we would be looking at a normal, a normal, if we'd have met our original guidance, Q2, Q3, Q4, we would probably be been looking at sort of the 12,000 ounce a quarter. And right. that's probably with the ore sort of working well, getting additional low, lower grade ore out of the Polito and San Chico deposits, being able to upgrade that through the ore sorter, working with the you know, residual flotation tailings that we've got. That's the sort of levels of production that we'd like to be looking at, um, we, we'd have been expecting to achieve. So we're looking at getting back up to the 10 to hopefully 10,000 ounces into uh, Q4 uh, and hopefully trying to build on that into Q1. One thing that we do have to factor in there is again, because there's been lower crew and lower numbers of crews, we've got uh, mine development that we're going to have to uh, catch up a little bit on. We've been trying to do that as best we can. Um, as you know, that's uh, vitally important for keeping the mine sustainable and sustainable production going forward and keeping uh, development ahead of us. So we'll we'll just have to balance that out and and look at what we need to do in the early parts of. Uh, Q2 of uh, 2021 to make sure that uh, we're not falling behind on that and that we're back up to the levels that we need. Okay, so one, one final one. So, because you're the guy that's got to balance the books, right? Um, you've got Polito, it's producing cash for you. Um, so, you know, we've talked about ramping up and optimizing uh, COVID, COVID conditions allowing, but that it's producing enough cash for you to be able to de develop um, Karinga. That, 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 that's kind of the balancing act I'm looking at. You know, I'm, I'm assuming you, you'll deal with Equinox in the best possible way. You're saying that you're trying to do it in the most anti-dilutory way for shareholders. But what you've got is two assets. You've got Polito, which is throwing off cash, which you're going to need to spend to develop Karinga. And at some point when you're kind of totally debt-free, you're going to, you're going to, it's, both sites would be operating at some sort of optimal productivity. When is that? When is that moment? And where's and 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 you know and how do you balance that with all the money that you're going to need to plow into the blue sky of the 
of the expiration. It is a juggling act. Um, as I say, we, we've got to look at where our priorities are and where, where we hope the best returns will be. Um, we will push forward with Coringa. You know, where we're sitting at the moment, uh, I'd like to think that we can meet those uh, commitments, certainly in the near term, a uh, million dollars a month from our existing cash flow uh, and start paying those down. Now, that means that the facility that we have with Greenstone can effectively sit in the background um, and we will then, as Coringa is ready to be developed and we do those first bits and pieces with, um, of course, with Greenstone's blessing, but that's part of the agreed use of proceeds for that, uh, for that convertible, we'll be able to start drawing down on those funds if we think that that is the best source of capital available to us at that point in time. Um, so we have that as a, a facility to utilize. Um, you know, Coringa in the near term is not, we're not into a suddenly needing $20 million worth of cash available. And I wouldn't want to get into making substantial commitments to the build of Coringa. The first bit is to deal with getting a little bit of underground development done, getting the bulk samples done and understand and de-risking it from a geological standpoint from lenders. And that is a sort of four million, three to four million dollar cost that I think we can deal with from our existing cash flow and the existing finance that we've got available to the company and continue to move Coringa forward, can move, uh, pay down the Equinox debt. Um, exploration on top of that, Exploration, unfortunately, is the tap that gets turned on and turned off when things get a little bit tough. Um, if the cash flow is there, then we'll try and step up the burn on the exploration and, uh, and move that forward and accelerate it. And if the cash flow and the gold price doesn't stay where it is and the REI doesn't stay where it is, then that'll unfortunately be the thing that probably will get turned down because it's it's longer term, it's more speculative, and um, you know, it's not immediately being able to, be able to be turned around into cash flow. There's a bit of consolidation happening in the marketplace. Have you had any inbound phone calls? I wouldn't be able to tell you even if I could. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> I, th I, th I thought, I just thought maybe, maybe Clive doesn't know how this thing works, but apparently you do. Um, Okay, well, that, that, it is it is interesting times at the moment um, around consolidation, M and A activity, and obviously gold being where it is today. Um, you know, there's a lot of people sort of sniffing around, having conversations for I, sure. I think it is. I think it. Well, you know, I think what is interesting as well, though, with um, the markets is looking at people that have been starting to come to London looking for capital, realizing that there is. Uh, a lot of investors looking for opportunities um, and at the moment maybe Sarabi doesn't register onto some of those radars, it's a little bit small and we've always said that we need to grow and that we, we're always looking for those opportunities to do it and I, I think it's not lost on us that um, you know some of the bigger Canadian groups have suddenly decided that actually London has got, uh, doesn't have um, too many options when it comes to generalist investors and larger institutions looking for exposure into the gold space. Um, so hopefully that will, uh, that will we'll be able to take advantage of that going forward. Clive, thank you very much. That's a, that's a, great, a great update. Um, 
and thanks for getting into the weeds with regards to these quarters. They can be quite quite dry affairs, but you know you've you've had a, a an interesting year with regards to you know balancing books and you know mo- moving moving money and liabilities around for sure. Uh, and you know it's, it's a good environment for you guys at the moment. So uh, best of luck with the rest of this year. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much indeed, Matthew. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.